This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I'll be updating you on campus and local news. Then, KCSU Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum has prepared an interview that we'll be playing in two parts. I'll be delivering some national news. Or, Coda will be delivering some national news afterwards. To conclude the show, I will be giving some updates on COVID-19 and I'll update li- and Ivy will be updating listeners on the strange things happening in the world. After the show, KCSU will be airing the U.S. Senate debate between candidates John Hickenlooper and Cory Gardner at 6 p.m. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hello there, I'm Ivy Winfrey and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is your campus and local news. Starting off with campus news, according to Kelly Lyell of the Coloradoan, Colorado State University didn't see a significant in enrollment drop this fall as it had expected with only a 3.6 decrease in fall enrollment this semester. The biggest drop was among incoming freshmen with their enrollment down 11.9%. That was offset by a smaller than expected decrease among continuing students and slight increases among those working on master's and doctorate degrees. Overall enrollment for graduate students was down just 0.8%, or 28 students. CSU's retention rate for its 2019 freshman class was 85.3%, matching the retention rate for the 2018 class when the novel coronavirus that causes COVID-19 was not a factor. Administrators on both the Colorado, uh, on both the Fort Collins and Pueblo campuses were bracing over the summer for enrollment drops of 5% to 10%, or more while struggling with decisions about whether to reopen for in-person instruction or not, and if so, to what level. CSU System Chancellor Tony Frank said of the retention rate, quote, We're proud of how hard our universities have worked to support students and employees in returning to campus this fall, despite the enormous challenges of reopening during the pandemic. These numbers reflected that extraordinary effort as well as what we've heard anecdotally. A majority of students want to be back and are continuing their progress towards a degree. We want to support that as much as we possibly can, end quote. The investigation into CSU's athletic department provided mostly positive feedback that the university was not complicit in the previous allegations of broken broken COVID-19 protocols, racial insensitivity towards black players, and overall verbal harassment, according to Miles Blumhardt at the Coloradoan. The report released Wednesday, October 7th, stated a substantial majority of student athletes and staff reported no concern with established COVID-19 protocols. In regards to allegations of pervasive racial inequality qualities or harassment, investigators found most student athletes who participated in the investigation disputed allegations of pervasive racial inequalities or harassment within their athletic team or the athletic department more broadly. Overall, there were three recommendations for the athletics department included in investigation intended to increase racial sensitivity, but no mention of any disciplinary action for CSU staff or personnel. The investigation also included negative allegations towards current football coach Steve Adazio, former uh, football coach Mike Bobo, and the leadership of athletic uh, director Joe Parker. A substantial portion of the report on the university's handling of COVID-19 protocols centered around Adazio's response to the pandemic. One of the multiple uh, interviews in the report stated that, One witness alleged that head coach Adazio attempted to interfere with the investigation and influence their testimony. According to the witness, Adazio told staff that they are employed in the football program because of his good graces and during the investigation, I expect absolute loyalty. 
The, the witness also alleged that assistant coach Brian White was complicit, posting the Ram logo and phrase absolute loyalty on social media to send the message, we expect you to protect us to staff and players. According to the witness, while also comment... White also commented, quote, we're fighting for our lives, end quote, during a staff meeting, which the witnesses in- interpreted to mean the coaches knew that they were guilty of wrongdoing. The witness also alleged that Adazio explicitly instructed the team videographer to delete practice videos from the server in order to destroy evidence of the team's violation of COVID-19 protocols. Adazio denied that the accusation in- was in Adazio denied the accusation in the report. Most of the witness statements garnered from investigators were of the he said, she said variety, with some student athletes and athletic staff agreeing with accusations and others disagreeing. CSU President Joyce McConnell stated in a release, quote, we agreed that the finding of the investigations are positive and reassuring overall. They also provide extremely helpful context and recommendations. We're confident that our current CSU athletic staff will work with us to move forward as our football program continues. You can read the entire report on the CSU president website at president.colostate.edu. Moving on to local news, according to Miles Blumhart and Kelly Lyell at the Fort Collins, Coloradoan, the Cameron Peak fire has grown to over 134,000 acres and is now at 47% containment. Crews fighting the Cameron Peak fire were looking for hot spots to mop up near structures, relocating heavy equipment and keeping a close eye on the weather, a fire, fire official said Monday. Rain and up to five inches of snow fell on the fire Sunday, giving firefighters a bit of reprieve in the two-month-long effort to contain the largest fire in Larimer County history and the third largest ever in Colorado. Forecasts called for warmer, drier weather and winds from the west and northwest gusting up to 50 miles per hour on Monday and Tuesday that could push the fire up against containment lines on its eastern edge. The fire's potential uh, to spread to the east, where firefighters have established that they are uh, uh, what they believe are reliable containment lines was listed as moderate in a Monday morning update. The U.S. Forest Service expanded its closure of public land in the area Sunday because of the increased fire activity. Officials with the Arapaho-Roosevelt National Forest Canyon Lakes Ranger District said in a news release, quote, The general area now closed uh, National Forest System lands west of the National Forest boundary, except the Lower Poudre Canyon, east of Colorado State Forest State Park. South of the Colorado State Line and north of Colorado Highway 34th, Big Thompson Canyon. The closure includes all campgrounds, many trails, trailheads, forest service roads, picnic grounds, boating and fishing sites, and many hunting areas. According to J.C. Marmaduke at the Coloradoan, Fort Collins officials said Friday that two transport bus drivers have tested positive for COVID-19. The bus drivers told the city that they had tested positive on Thursday and Friday. Each driver reported their test result two days after they last reported for duty, according to the city uh, news release. And they've both been in self-quarantine since they got their results back. The city isn't releasing the identities of the drivers to protect their privacy, but they're releasing information about the routes the drivers worked so passengers can be aware. The routes they served are as follows. On October th- uh, 3rd, uh, Route 76, the flex service from 6.24 a.m. to 11.19 a.m. October 5th, number 96, the horn service, 6.55 a.m. to 10.44 a.m. On October 6, bus 68, Route 3 and 31, at 7.20 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. October 6th, on uh, bus 86, Route 81, 6.30 7 a.m. to 1:57 p.m. and October 7th, bus number 96 on the Horn service from 6:52 a.m. to 1:44 p.m. 
Fort Collins Transit Director Drew Books said in a news release about this, quote, We wish our colleagues a quick recovery and are keeping them in our thoughts during this time. Transport is taking safety seriously, and we've been working to serve the community in accordance with best practices to health authorities. To prevent the spread of COVID-19, Transport has required all passengers to be seated while they ride, wear masks, and board and exit buses from the rear doors. Bus drivers wear PPE while they're working, and the city disinfects bus interiors each night. Transport has also suspended fares and reduced some routes since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that is all for the campus and local news today. All right, we're going to go on a quick break, but we'll be right back with some sports interviews about coming out day. Want to know how the Nuggets did last night? Are you dying to hear about the Twitter beef your favorite rapper was involved in? Well, look no further because you can find all that and more tomorrow from 3 to 5 p.m. with me, DJ Dallas. And me, DJ Asher, here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Now we have an exclusive interview from Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum in honor of Coming Out Day, which was observed over the weekend. We have a special interview. For coming out day, our interviewee is a member of the LGBTQ plus community and a student athlete here at CSU, a hurdler with track and field with an impressive track record, pun intended. Finishing top 10 in several tournaments, including finishing top five in all the events at the Mountain West Championship. At the Mountain West Championship, our interviewee placed third place at the 110 meters, fifth place at 400 meter hurdles, second place in the 400 meter relay, and third place in the 60-meter hurdles. Also, broke a record at Portland State before transferred over to CSU and has a sizable list of high school accomplishments. Please welcome Kamal Craig Gulab. Kamal, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited to, to have this, this interview. It's, it's going to be great. So let's dive right into. First of all, let's just establish a baseline, huh? What are your pronouns, and how do you define yourself in the LGBTQ plus community? Yeah, absolutely. So my pronouns are you, and and I identify as a gay black man. 
one of the one of the things about coming out day is that we want to know what your story is. So, what was your large coming out story? Yeah, absolutely. So, my coming out story was very like it was just all over the place, and I didn't actually come out until my sophomore year of college, and I was at Portland State at the time. And so, during that time, like I was just kind of like. I knew there was something like different about me, and I it was I just felt very like not connected with myself, and so I took the time in my sophomore year decided to go ahead and start like experiment with uh, with my sexuality and kind of like just go back and forth, and so it was just very hard mentally as well because I was like thinking to myself like this right wrong and like just battling the pros and cons of everything else and then one day it just like everything just hit me all at once and I was like finished with like practice one day and I just felt very like off I just felt very like defeated I felt like I didn't have a good day of practice you know like even though like my performance was like okay during that time and like I was um, excelling in work in the my practices and everything else but I came home and uh, I just felt like a whole weight like I felt like a weighted blanket was just on me and I couldn't like get it off and so I kind of uh, looked at at myself in the mirror and was kind of like describing who I was and going through all my different personalities and what makes Kamal Kamal and I was saying Kamal is an enthusiastic person. He has accomplished so many things in my career. He is a leader. He's a role model. Um, and I was just going through everything, like all the pros and all the cons, and all the uh, everything that I had written. There was one thing that was still missing, but or wasn't placed in in a category. And I looked at it, and the word was sexuality. And so I put a question mark next to it, and kind of like reminisced, and think, thought about, okay, who is Kamal? And it started to resonate with me. And I looked myself in the mirror, and I was like, Kamal, you're gay. And you like men, you are... And that doesn't that doesn't define who you are. That doesn't have to be something that's negative. And I always thought about it as a negative, in a negative way, um, only because of my background with my family. And so it was uh, like it was just weird. It was I never had any like, gay family members who identify within the community. I didn't have any queer queer family members and so it was I didn't really had any like support I wouldn't say support I didn't have any like contact to speak and so I felt like I had to deal with this by myself and so which essentially I did and um it was just very it was a very deep conversation that I had to have with myself and so after that I was just it felt like everything just was lifted and uh, I felt like my heart dropped I felt like 
goosebumps on my arms and it was uh, it that was that day was very like it was it was <laughs> it was just amazing and i think that's where it was like i after i said what i said in the mirror it was a whole different side of me that came out i felt confident i felt like more pride in myself and i didn't feel guilty essentially and i i felt that i was comfortable with life and so it was uh, it was kind of a difficult uh, situation because i was going back and forth between am i bisexual or am i gay like i do feel like a certain connection with women i do feel a certain connection with men but i do tend to lean to one side or the other. but and then it came to me again and i was like well why why does somebody need to have a label why do they have to fit in a category and that's where it was um where as i got older and as i got to be comfortable in the community that i was in now it was it, i just it just opened up my eyes a little bit more to to see that like nobody needs a label in society and society just kind of normalizes things and automatically puts you in a category and the assumption is from other people is that they're already going to put you into a category before actually having a conversation and asking you like what you identify as and all that kind of information and so like now now after um having to come out it was a very scary <laughs> situation as well because I, i was like how am i going to tell my parents how am i going to tell my sister like how what's going to happen like are people going to hate me are people going to not be my friends like there are all these tactics and all these things that i was like, kind of worried about and so i posted um the way how i came out was through social media on my instagram and at first i came out as a bisexual man and it was uh, i felt comfortable in that as well and so it was it was kind of me like juggling back and forth between what it was and then i came across the term queer and so that was that was the term that kind of like fit underneath like everything and so sometimes um i embrace my masculinity sometimes i embrace my femininity and it's just a balance between both and i feel queer is the most um, most accurate term that i can identify as um but going back to my post on instagram um i didn't tell my parents <laughs> the first time or i didn't the, i just posted it on social media and so my parents found out on social media and they were kind of a little bit upset with me about it because they are my parents and like I don't have an issue with speaking to them but they called me and they were kind of like well why didn't you come to us first and like talk to us before posting on social media and so that was the part where I was like you know I should have communicated with you before but I felt like I just had to do it in the moment. And so that's how my coming out story pretty much 
happened, I po- I came out over on social media and then I told my parents. And then after that, everybody was very supportive and I didn't realize how many people were actually like very like, who were like waiting, I guess, for this moment. Because I knew a couple of my friends, my closest friends knew, but they didn't want they never like judge me, they never assumed anything, they were just like Kamal is Kamal and he's gonna do what he's gonna do. Which was really nice. And so having people like text messaging me like I was receiving phone calls and just the sense of positivity and encouraging words and from my closest friends and from people that I haven't even spoken to in such a long time. It was very it was amazing to have that support system because I didn't really know how, what would have happened or how other individuals would react to that. And so I'm, actually, I'm really thankful for the people that I call my really close friends because they're the ones who are looking out for me and supporting me and um, ensuring that I'm just being true to myself and holding myself accountable and just enjoying life and how it is to be in the community and so it was a very it was it was amazing I mean it was very difficult as well like being a college athlete at the time too because I wasn't sure how um, my teammates would react either and so I wasn't sure if anybody was homophobic or, or anything like that on the team but everybody um, on the team was very, very supportive of that and like encouraging me to be like, to just be myself. And um, that was amazing. That, that is amazing. Kamal, I just want to say. We are back on the Rocky Mountain Revere on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. We are listening currently to an interview that our assistant sports director, Jonathan Gillum, did with a student athlete. And we are going to get right back to that. But we do want to remind our listeners that tonight we will be airing the debate between uh, former Governor John Hickenlooper and current Senator Corey Gardner tonight at 6 p.m. on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Let's get back to that interview. Sounds like you had a, a journey within your journey of life. And that being said, I just want to commend you because I think you show tremendous courage. Not only did you have to do something, probably one of the hardest things for you, but it sounds like it was really rewarding to finally get it done. But you're also telling this, this incredible story on the radio, and that takes more courage. 
So I just want to say you're you're courageous and awesome. And let's let's move on to the uh, next question. How did life change for you, or did it after coming out from that moment? I think there were there was a lot of um, a lot of doors I would say that opened up for me because, like I said, like after I kind of said to myself like this is who I am, I just felt a sense of confidence and I felt like there's no like I I felt like I was unstoppable at that point. And I was like I can do whatever whatever I want and. Like I don't have to. I don't care about what other people think because the only opinion that matters is mine. And just having that sense of courage and that sense of proudness and that sense of confidence that I built up after it was uh, like amazing. And I just felt, I just felt super like I felt like I was on top of the world. And I felt. I feel like it's been such a amazing journey as well because a lot of people have been reaching out to me as well and like just asking like saying that hey like I'm I'm really I appreciate you so much because x y and z and you've helped me so much and you don't even know how how you've helped me and it's, it's just amazing to hear that those like words coming from individuals who were struggling with their identity and so for me to be so confident in myself and encouraging that confidence onto others it's definitely like i think that i i feel like that's how my life has changed especially is just being a light for other individuals and to show them that they are able to do anything no matter what identity you hold, no matter who you are, no matter like whatever it is, like there is always a light at the end of the tunnel, and there is always somebody that you can reach out to and ask for help or any advice, and just be a hype man for anybody. I feel like that's how my coming out story and how everything just changed and uh, carried me along the. Nice, Kamal. Do you think, do you think that was the moment you felt most accepted in your sport, or did it take, did it take some time for that to happen? Um, I think it took a little bit of time. Um, I mean, in track and field, there is a like stigma saying that like high hurdlers are typically like gay or identify within the community, and so it was like I feel like being a high um back at Portland State was just or wherever like there's that stigma that high hurdles high hurdles are typically gay and so it was like people already I felt like other individuals already assumed that and so I felt comfortable either way because no I didn't I didn't feel like my sexuality sexual sexuality defined who who I am or who I was in the sport that I did, if that makes sense. And I felt like, um, I just felt, no, I just felt comfortable. I, I would say, yeah, I guess I felt, I did feel more comfortable with myself and um, that's where I, my times were excelling and that's where I was getting faster because I felt comfortable with who I am as a person and I wasn't fighting 
another persona of who I was. Plus, like, you I broke you broke a record at Portland State. <laughs> yeah, I did, and that was after. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think that was a, that was probably my highlight at Portland. State. It was breaking that record, and it was it was just insane because my freshman year there, I tied the record, I tied the school record, and I had every intention of breaking the record because I knew I could, and. I also felt that my freshman year I was hiding, hiding some, some part of me, which was my sexual, sexuality and my identity. And so going into my sophomore year season in track, it was a sense of getting comfortable and realizing who I am and getting comfortable with myself and accepting Kamal for who Kamal is. And I think that was really the part that I was missing. And so when I stepped on the line for that last indoor conference meet at Northern Arizona University for the Big Sky Championship, indoor championship, I was like, I have nothing to lose. And so I went, I did what I had to do. I didn't even, I wasn't so worried about the time range it just happened. And I think that's just the gracious part about it is like, once you find who you are and accept yourself for who you are, there's so many greatness that will happen. There's so many opportunities that will happen and you, like, won't even know it until, like, after. And I think that's what, that was a highlight. Because knowing that I did something, I broke a record, and I was comfortable with myself in that, in that point of time. Like, it was amazing. Yeah. It sounds like a, an amazing moment. Kamal, you kind of already touched on this several times, but just to summarize, and, and if you could say one last thing to anyone listening that is maybe going through this struggle, what would you give them to encourage them? I think words of encouragement I would give to anybody who's struggling with their identity is to just focus on yourself. Focus on you. Don't worry about what other what other people are saying because you know what you're up against, and you're the only one who will break through that barrier. There will be people by your side to help support you, but eventually, you're the only one who's going to make that ultimate decision, and that decision is all up to you. It's all yours. You have the power to do anything you can. And I would recommend having an amazing support group of friends, best friends, whoever, because those are the individuals who won't judge you for anything, who won't judge you for what you decide to do. They will always be right by your side. And I have two of my closest friends who I've spoke about with my journey as well, and they've always encouraged me. They've always know what my best interest is. Is and whenever I have like a concern or anything, those are the people who I go to first because I know they're gonna be the ones that are gonna be able to have me think things in a different way. So I would say don't be afraid at all because there are so many things in life that you won't experience until you take that step. 
into accepting you for who you are. And there are so many doors that will open and you just have to take that one step, just take that step, just jump in it. And you never know what's gonna happen. You never, you, you just never know. And so I think those are the words that I would give. And also it's like, my, I, my favorite thing is my mom always told me this. She's like, you have to try something before you can say you like it or you don't. And so that was something that captured me because the way how I took it was, okay, let me try this. And if it doesn't work out for me, then I know I can approach it in a different way. And so that was one thing that my mom told me, like after she dropped me off of college. And I always have that staying in my head because it's very, it's a very powerful statement and it can be worth into so many different situations. So I think that's that, what I would say. Be be you. You are you. Well, I don't <laughs> think you I don't think you couldn't have said it any better. That was that was inspirational. Kamal, before we go separate ways, I just wanted to say, from being a former athlete, I know it must be tough not being able to compete because of this COVID ordeal. But I just want to sincerely offer my my high hope that you get the opportunity to compete again before you graduate. And also, we at KCSU support you and wish you the best. And we want to thank you for coming thank on. You. Thank yep. you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Support for KCSU comes from Noko Nosh, a locally owned restaurant delivery service owned and operated by local business owners in Fort Collins. Learn more about Noko Nosh's downloadable app by visiting nokonosh.com. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5. You just heard from Jonathan Gillum, and now we're moving on to national news highlights with CODA. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News for Tuesday, October 13th, 2020. According to Ryan Lucas and Bill Chappelle at NPR, an FBI agent says that two of the men involved with the plan to kidnap Governor Whitmer of Michigan also considered abducting Governor Ralph Nordham of Virginia. Both governors would have been targeted based on their approach to COVID-19 lockdown protocols. According to Nathan Bomey at USA Today, Facebook is now removing content that, quote, denies or distorts, end quote, the Holocaust. Facebook has been under intense pressure to become more strict in removing content related to misinformation and conspiracy theories. Facebook is specifically targeting pages that promote the conspiracy group QAnon. The company has continuously taken down posts praising hate crimes and mass murder, which does include the Holocaust, but its move is intended to focus on avoiding the spread of misinformation that specifically targets minority groups. According to Bill Chappelle at NPR, the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals sided with Texas. Um, a Texas order that limits every county in Texas to just one ballot box. The court claimed that, quote, these methods for remote voting outstrip what Texas law previously permitted in a pre-COVID world, end quote. This new ruling means that Harris County, which has 4.7 million residents, must reduce drop-off ballot locations from 12 spots to just one. Most, Texas, most Texans cannot vote by mail or drop-off ballots due to restrictions in requesting an absentee ballot. That's all for National News Highlights. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Tonight, KCSU is airing the debate between U.S. Senate incumbent Cory Gardner and challenger John Hickenlooper starting at 6 p.m. We'll be right back. 
I'm having so much fun. Get over here with that pool noodle. Hope you brought your bathing suit. Stop running. Because after the show, we're taking a trip in the hot tub's time machine and playing all the songs of a year from history. Mom, how do I turn on the bubbles? They're already on. Keep it here on 90.5 KCSU. Cannonball! And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. So far, we've heard from Ivy Winfrey about campus and local news. We listened to an interview from Jonathan Gillum. And we've re-heard some information about the United Way of Larimer County. You just heard national news highlights, and now we're moving into the COVID-19 update. I'm Coda Babcock again, and this is the COVID-19 update for October 13th. According to the New York Times, Johnson & Johnson has paused a coronavirus vaccine trial due to an unexplained illness in a participant of the study. The illness has not been stated, but the trial is paused until doctors can link it to the vaccine or another factor. This is common in larger medical trials, and the pause only stays in effect if the illness is related to the study. It is also currently unknown to the public whether the sick volunteer received the actual vaccine or the placebo version. Colorado State University has a total of 520 cumulative cases of COVID-19 since May. In the past two days, five people have tested positive, potentially flattening a recent spike in CSU-related COVID-19 cases. This total case number represents CSU students, faculty, and staff. Larimer County's risk score remains at medium, and the county is now at a lesser risk of going to the high-risk category compared to data from last week. The county is at level one status, which means that residents need to remain cautious but are not at a high risk for mass transmission. There have been 40 new cases in the past 24 hours, and there has not been a single day in the past two weeks without at least 15 new cases. However, never in those two weeks has the county seen over 10% of tests come back positive, there, and there are only 21 COVID-19 patients currently in the hospital. Hospital usage in Larimer County is also rel in a relatively good place at 65%, but ICU utilization is at 73%. Statewide Colorado has a total of over 79,000 reported cases and over 2,000 deaths among those cases. Over a million people in the state have been tested, and there have been over 800 outbreaks. Nationally, there are over 37.8 million cases and over 1 million deaths. Cases have gone up by 14% over the past two weeks, and deaths have gone down by just 1%. Last week, deaths were down by 6% over a two-week period, meaning in the past few days, there's been an overall rise in deaths related to COVID-19. The Midwestern United States is seeing a significant spike compared to other regions. Information for today's segment was gathered from CSU's COVID-19 recovery site, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and the Environment, the Centers for Disease Control, and the New York Times. For access to more information on the coronavirus and a symptom checker, you can check cdc.gov coronavirus. That's all for today's COVID-19 update. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on KCSU Fort Collins. Up next, we're hearing from Ivy about the strange things happening in the world. You join us here on 90.5 KCSU. Here on the back nine as Mr. Odom steps up to the tee box. Odom having just a phenomenal day out there. He is really making quick work of his opponents. He's going for the first spot as he drives this one off. It looks like it's sailing. And boy, oh boy, is it. Luckily, everyone here was tuned in to 90.5 KCSU-FM to hear all the action. KCSU always has and always will bring you sports. Hi there. 
I'm Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Sometimes we need to get a little bit of the weirder side of the news, so here's some of the weirdest recent stories I could find from around the world. According to Poppy Noor at The Guardian, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese is receiving harsh criticisms in response to their Send Nudes, with nudes being spelled N-O-O-D-Z, promotional campaign, which prompted groups of concerned parents to lament over Kraft's, quote, sexualizing of the macaroni and cheese. The promotion encouraged adults to send their loved one boxes of Kraft's uh, mac and cheese noodles. In a broadcast that has now been removed from the internet, Saturday Night Live's Vanessa Bayer says to the camera, In these strange times, people are in need of extra comfort. That's why it's always a nice gesture to send nudes. To be clear, I'm not advocating for you to send nudes to anyone. Send nudes, not nudes. The subtitles make sure to make the distinction between the term nudes, spelled N-O-O-D-Z, which is used as an abbreviation for noodles, and the word nudes, spelled N-U-D-E-S, which refers to naked photographs. But outraged customers have complained that Kraft is a, quote, family company, end quote, and even suggested that the advert is a gateway to children actually sending nudes, not the noodle variety. One customer told BuzzFeed's Tanya Chen that the post, quote, grooms children into believing it's okay and even funny to send nudes, end quote. Another customer wrote in response to the promotion, quote, If you're going to use children in your advertising, then you should never have advertisements like your nudes commercial, end quote. The response that ensued was enough to cause Kraft to halt the campaign, remove content related to the promotion, and apologize publicly. Kraft said in a statement on their Instagram, quote, For National Noodle Day last Tuesday, we encourage adults to send free noodles to loved ones to provide comfort and make them smile. The social promotion resulted in 20,000 consumers across the country receiving boxes of America's favorite Kraft mac and cheese. We sincerely appreciate and hear all of your feedback. The content will be removed from our channels. End quote. According to Roland Manthorpe at Sky News, a recent open letter advocating for herd immunity from COVID-19 through natural infection has been found to have fake medical signatories that include such names as Dr. Johnny Bananas and Dr. Person Fake Name. The Great Barrington Declaration, a letter organized by prominent advocates of herd immunity, claims to have been signed by more than 15,000 scientists and medical practitioners, as well as more than 150,000 members of the general public. Yet Sky News found dozens of fake names on the list of medical signatories, which anyone can add to if they tick a box and enter a name. These included Dr. I.P. Freely, Dr. Person Fake Name, and Dr. Johnny Bananas, who listed himself as a, quote, Dr. of hard sums, end quote. One medical professional on the list gives his name as Dr. Harold Shipman, a general practitioner in the United Kingdom, possibly an allusion to a, uh, to a UK general practitioner named Harold Shipman, who killed more than 200 of his patients before he was arrested in 1998 and was considered one of the most prolific serial killers in history. In addition, the letter has been signed by well over 100 therapists, including massage therapists, hypnotherapists, psychotherapists, and one Mongolian Humi singer who describes 
describes himself as a, quote, therapeutic sound practitioner, end quote. Public health experts accuse the letter, which has been used as an evidence uh, for the idea of a rift in the scientific community, of misrepresenting the level of support for the controversial concept of herd immunity. The letter, called the Great Barrington Declaration after the United States town where it was written, was initiated by Professor Martin Koldorf, Professor J. Bhattacharya, and Professor Sutea Gupta. It calls on governments to allow younger and less vulnerable people to catch coronavirus, therefore encouraging, quote, herd immunity, end quote, among the population, while people who would be hit especially hard by the virus are giving, given focused protection. As advocates of herd immunity have become more vocal, media reports have described scientists as divided. Yet although herd immunity has some prominent backers in the Great Parrington Declaration, has been signed by many respected scientists and medical professionals, the vast majority of specialists in the field reject the approach. Professor Martin McKee, professor of European Public Health and at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, said it reminded him of, quote, the messaging used to undermine public health policies on harmful substances such as tobacco, end quote. Professor Batachera, professor of medicine at Stanford University, told Sky News in defense of the letter having, a letter having fake names, quote, We do not have the resources to audit each signature, especially given the incredible interest that the Great Barrington Declaration has drawn. It is unfortunate that some people have abused our trust by adding fake names, but I suppose it is inevitable. Still, given the volume of correspondence I have received from medical and public health professionals, as well as scientists and epidemiologists, it is clear that a very large number of experts resonate with the message of the Declaration and its call for a focused protection policy, end quote. And that is all the weird news I have for today. And now for the weather. This week, the weather is starting to cool down. Today, the high is predicted to hit 75 degrees with our low at 52. No chance of wind, but some mild winds throughout, or no chance of rain, but some mild winds throughout the day. Tomorrow's about the same, but there will be more cloud cover and the evening will be cooler with a low of 35. Thursday will be cooling off, but the sun will be coming out a bit more with our predicted high at just 56 and our low at 29. Once again, no chance of rain. For Thursday, you'll have to listen to the Rocky Mountain Review between 4 and 5 p.m. only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank Thomas Taylor, Asher Korn, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Griffin Ham, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Krieger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Wog, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time. <laughs>